Hi, and welcome back to Supergirl TV Talk. This is the podcast where we talk to you about the CW's hit show, Supergirl. My name is Frank, and joining me, as he does every week, is my reddest son, Tim. Oh, thank you. I did go outside for a little while because I'm at home and stuck and stuff, and so I got a little bit of a sunburn, but I'm not that red, Frank. Also, I live in New England, so how red do you think I'm getting in March? I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Uh, Tim, you and I were very, very lucky to be on a recent episode of the DC Film Squadcast. Yes, indeed we were, Frank. It was quite fun. It was a lot of fun. We got to review the new DC animated film, Superman, Fred's son, based on one of my favorite comics of all time, and we'll get into that as the episode goes on. But our friend Scott was nice enough to invite us on, and we thought we would share, with his permission, we were sharing it with all of you super fans um, who, who love the Superman family, hopefully as much as we do. So enjoy what's about to come. Tim, do you have any any, any things we should prepare our audience for, or should they just kind of get into it and, and see what's about to, to hit them? Um, Frank might be a communist. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Up, up, and away. You know what a harlequin is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. Welcome to the DC Film Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. We're big fans of what DC Comics is doing in the big and small screens, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. Let's get started. Um, it's tonight. It's it, it's it, it's Scott again. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it, it's me. It's and I'm and I am the Squadcast Scottcast for the fourth week in a row, guys. I promise you, Tim's coming back soon. Maybe I don't know, but you know what? Even though Tim's not here, I got something special for you, and we're gonna be talking about that in a quick minute because I want to go ahead and remind everyone right now that we are members of the Squadcast Media Network and that does include DC Comic Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, DC TV Squadcast with Ray and whoever. We remember I'll be there next month when Harley Quinn Season 2 starts back up. We have Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray and of course our new show Marvel Squadcast with Brent and Brock and we do want to take this opportunity to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia with all the content that thank Hopefully, thanks to Chris, who's been posting all those unboxing videos of the toys he's been buying, uh, because obviously with Tim down, we haven't been able to do uh, Squadcast movies. I know you're still waiting on that Dick Tracy episode, and uh, there's been no movies for Ray and I to go see for Fans of the Borders Plus, so thank you, Chris, so much for your toy unboxing videos. Patrons, trust me, when we can get out there, we'll be getting some more stuff on that Patreon feed, but thank you so much for those of you who help us keep the lights on. Okay, so I I have to do something because I've been we've been in the missing Tim formation for the entire month of March. And you know what? I decided to bring in some backup, including another Tim, because I know way too many Tims in this podcasting world. But which Tim is it? Well, I decided to have some beer with geeks. And so I got Frank and Tim from Thought Bubble Audio. Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight on DC Film Squadcast. Oh, well, it's it's my and our pleasure. I speak for Frank when I say that it's it's very nice to be here, Frank. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I never I never agreed to that. I never agreed it would be a pleasure. Okay? That's that's just I just putting putting words in my mouth and normally you put beer in my mouth and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Speaking of which, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, me? Well, uh, because it's uh, because, you know, we never never leave home without it. Um, I am drinking a Forbidden Kingdom Kolsch-style ale from the Armada Brewing Company, which is in East Haven, Connecticut. It's delicious. Mm, that's one I'm not familiar with. That sounds really it's good. It's really good. How about you, Frank? Uh, I'm drinking something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a comfort beer, uh, the Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. Ooh. It's a, a Hawaiian Hawaiian beer um, that's just, it's it's like comfort food. It's something that I like to keep around the house. It's something that I enjoy quite, quite a bit. Well, I, I didn't come prepared for beer this week because I'm drinking a Coke Zero right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, when I drink on this show, I drink Jameson whiskey and then the show gets really interesting. See, my birthday for the past couple of years, those those have been very interesting episodes of this show as the listeners <laughs> can attest. Well, because you have uh, Tim and Frank, uh, that's us, you know, from Earth, whatever Earth we decided we were four years ago. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. Earth One, we're Earth Prime. That's what we decided four years that's ago, right. the last time we did a crossover, which has been too dang long for you guys to be back on the show. But there's been a crisis. So are we on the same Earth now? Ooh, I, oh my, I, I'm not, pre- I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> I, f- I, I, yeah, I feel like Brent would have this figured out. I feel like he would, he would be the one to know. I mean, he's the, you know, he's the, the big DCCW guy. Oh yeah. Um, of this network anyway. So I, I feel like he would be the one to, to really school us on that. Yeah. Well, speaking, however, of the multiverse, well, the reason you guys are here is because we did get a very recent multiversal movie release. Uh, actually, uh, physically this week, we have the brand new DC animated original movie, Superman Red Sun. How'd you like that segue? I, I, I didn't that was even great. plan that. Well done, my friend. Well done. And I was thinking, oh my God, the movie just came out on disc this week. And so, you know, that's when I buy the movies because if I'm going to pay $19.99, I'm going to get the disc and the digital code because that's the way I roll. And I was like, I got to talk about this movie and I need people to talk it with and you you guys are some of the biggest, well, Frank definitely is one of the biggest Superman fans I know. And I was like, I need to have the guys on. This is what we're talking about this week. And I want to thank you gentlemen for agreeing to come on and talk Red Sun this week. All right, I'll buckle down. It's a pleasure. <laughs> hey, he did it. He admitted that it was a pleasure. I didn't think it was going to take him this long, honestly. You know, it's kind of, kind of took a little, took your sweet time getting there. Nah, you guys have to have to earn it, you know? So let me ask you guys, before we get started talking about the movie, I want to briefly just kind of ask you guys, uh, thoughts, opinions overall about the original Elseworlds book before we get into the movie? Because I feel like your opinions on the graphic novel can often have quite an, quite a uh, effect on your viewing of an, any kind of adaptation. So just kind of s- set the stage with, when did you first read Red Sun? What are your just sort of high-level thoughts about Red Sun? going into this movie i have no idea when i read this first high school college something like that somewhere in there i i I really i really don't remember but i do remember being enamored with it quickly um i definitely didn't read it when it was when it was in its um monthly limited format it's prestige format uh definitely just the graphic novel form but i i loved it and i still love it actually i just think it's it's one of it's one of mark millar's best work and it's really one of dc's best elseworlds tales too because it gets to the core of every character and what makes it, that character tick no matter what world they're on and sometimes elseworlds can go in a in a weird direction 
it tries to it tries too hard to be something else um because else worlds uh but uh red sun plays really well into the historiography of its of its narrative and i and i really appreciate that frank yeah i have a very uh i agree with everything you just said by the way uh, but i also have a very like personal tie to this story frank thank is this frank don't don't admit that you're a soviet frank that's not <laughs> Are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Frank, this is not the time, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right, comrades. Uh, uh, Friends. Um, Because this is the story that kind of got me back into collecting comics. I bought this book. um, I was definitely towards the end of high school, and uh, I was I was at a comic shop with some friends, and and I was I was there because they wanted to be there. They they were they were there to to pick something up. Probably uh, at the time it was probably my friends who were into manga and stuff. And and at the checkout there was this graphic novel, and I was like, "What's this?" And the the cashier was like, "Oh, it's really really good. Like, do you like Superman?" I was like, "Yeah, um, but this looks different." He was like, "It's very different, but it's really really good." And he kind of gave me the well, you know, quick summary of the premise and I was like, huh, that's very different, but it sounds interesting. And so I, I bought it and read it, you know, really quickly, tore through it. And it was this book that got me collecting comics again. I I that that whole like I think I feel like that whole summer I just started catching up on other Elseworld stories on the DC universe stuff that I had missed, some of the classics like Crisis on Infinite Earths and and, and that sort of stuff. And this was right around the time that Infinite Crisis had just happened and all all, all these things were going on. So so, um, yeah, it got me it got me into the DC universe again, and I, I became a comics collector, and and you know I've been sort of you know fairly current ever since. So this this kind of got me into you know kind kind of made me the comics reader that I am today. Mm, that's actually that's important important and for me i was a very late bloomer when it came to this book i can actually tell you it was 2013 when i read this book for the first time because you know when back back in that era when you know when the new movies were coming out so this was the two weeks leading up to man of steel coming out i would do like what i would call 16 days of insert character and i would spend every day of like a two-week period leading up reading something i hadn't read yet and it was during that build-up in in june of 2013 that i I read Red Sun for the first time, and I remember thinking, this is cool. Like, it it didn't, and I think it was also a book that probably for me was a victim of the hype, Mm -hmm. because by 2013, I knew what Red Sun was. Like, it's one of those, like, I even had the, I even had the DLC for uh, Injustice, where you get all the the Red Sun skins for different characters in that game. So there was all, and, and the missions that came with it. So there was just all of this expectation and reputation going into it. So when I read it, I enjoyed it, but I guess I'm going to say the book didn't have the quote impact on me just because you know what that, you know what that's like when, when something just has sure. so much going into it that you read and go, that was cool. And it just, it doesn't hit the way it would if you had gone into it cold. And I've also I get that. And I've also never reread it since 2013. And it's not be- and it's not because of a lack of interest, it's just a sheer I have so much other crap to read. <laughs> That's, you know, mm-hmm. rereading is something that doesn't happen a lot in my life. And so I also intentionally did not reread it going into the movie because I also didn't want to be that guy that so many times when these animated adaptations come out, the one thing you always hear the nerds yayang about social media is how different it is from the source material. And I just want to go, yes, because it's called an adaptation. And I wanted to be able to go into the movie just appreciating how good of a movie is it. And so I 
I kind of I stayed away from reading it before watching the film. You know, I'm glad that you said that, Scott, because I do want to talk about how different this movie is from its original story. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, this is different for Tim. All right, let's fire it up. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I really liked it. <laughs> so let so let's start there. High level thoughts. What do we think about this newest entry in this series of t- direct-to-video animated movies? You know, I, I liked it. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, and maybe that is because I do have. I, I didn't reread the the source material anytime recently. Um, but uh, but I do have a special connection to it, and so I think that I just naturally have these built-in expectations of like it being as as fantastic as I remember it being. Uh, you know how fifteen years ago or however long I read it. Um, so so it was it was very it was good it was very good. I've liked other adaptations um, better. I've liked other uh, DC animated films better for sure. But I liked this one a, a good bit. There's so much to enjoy. The cast is phenomenal. The the animation is beautiful. There's there's so much that's that's really really great about it. Um, it just wasn't my my favorite one that they've done. But that's by no means a a criticism of you know what is a, a very good animated movie. Well, and I agree with, and I think that's important for you to say, Frank, because I, I feel like some people's criticisms is like if every movie isn't like the best one they've ever done, then somehow for some people they the hi, the hyperbolic response is well then it's trash because it's not the best thing ever. Right. It's like a movie's allowed to be okay. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, like yes. I, I'm not of the opinion that if you're not outdoing yourself every time then why bother like I, I don't I don't feel that way I think that, that you know some are going to be uh, um, home runs and some are going to be singles or doubles and uh, and that's okay that's just the the, the way the game goes um, so I think this was a solid solid movie and and honestly if I didn't have the expectations that I have um, just because I love the source material so much I probably would have enjoyed it even more um, so I'm interested to hear what, what you know what, what you guys what your guys thoughts are I thought this was one of their best entries in a long time Time. Uh, and not that I, I am of I am of the of both of your opinions that a movie doesn't have to be the best thing ever to be enjoyable. You can just walk out and, or stand up or whatever and be like, "Wow, yeah, that was good," and I'm over it now or whatever. And so, um, but I'm kind of looking at the li- you know, kind of looking at the list even just from 2018, some of the movies that they've released, and it's these past couple of years I, I've moderately enjoyed to really enjoyed all of them. And I think that Red Sun sits in a really enjoyed period because I think it is a strong adaptation of the work. It takes really the best, it takes a lot of the best components of the book and squeezes them into 75 minutes, which is tough because the book is. Um, the book commentates on tons, uh, and not just even within its own time frame, but on the comics industry and the the narrative form and all this different stuff. So, um, so I, I think it was strong. I don't know if I don't know if it's because I know the source material really well, or if it's the movie itself. But I was a, not bored necessarily. But I because I knew every single beat that was going to happen next. Like they really didn't change anything. I. I, I at the end I was like that was a good adaptation of something I know really well but I wasn't surprised by it well it, well and I think maybe they're trying to be careful because you know they tried to do that with Batman Hush and boy that blow back in their faces because there was one where they did try to change something and I personally enjoyed the change you hear me talk about that on Patreon with Scott mm-hmm. shots and but dear God the, the the social media outcry of you changed it was like okay never mind 
will just back away at this point. So I think it's it's interesting how it, it's like you really can't win with fans. You either change something to try to make it surprising and they get angry you changed it or you do it rather faithfully and then some people will say, well, but I got exactly what I was expecting. And it's like, well, they just can't win, can they? No, no. Mm. I think they think that's actually very true, but there are adaptations of, of these stories that are pretty much in line that I'm still not bored with. Like their two-part Dark uh, Dark Knight Returns is oh, it's a it's a top that's a oh, that's a top three for me. Yeah, me too. But it but it changes nothing. Like it, it's so minimal in what it changes. But I'm and even though I wasn't surprised by it, I'm still enamored by it. And I was um I was neither enamored or surprised by Red Sun. I simply enjoyed it. Uh, and so I think that's a you know what I, mean? I think there's a there is some kind of balance to be struck. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really interesting point of view, Tim, because you know, there is the there are the the diehards, the tried and true fans who who wanna see, you know, their their beloved material come to life on screen. And then you also have to balance that with to your point with the people who have not seen it, who are not familiar, um, or who at, at least are less familiar and maybe don't have the same expectations or are just 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 want a good story, like regardless of whether it's faithful to the original or not. So it, it's it's hard to balance that and, and kind of please both both audiences. I feel like more often than not, they they manage to satisfy both um, with these films. Uh, but it is it is a very delicate balance to to, to maintain, like for sure, like no no doubt about that. And to kind of both of your points, as far as these animated, because I buy all these animes, like, yeah, they are they are they are day one purchases for me physically. Uh, I I don't do the digital. Uh, I, I wait, and and of course that sometimes ticks me off. They have to wait the two weeks, but. I'm also someone who like when Target does the steel books, I like I grab the steel book of all of these since they've been doing it since Dark Knight Returns Deluxe Edition. And so I have every single one of these movies since Superman Doomsday on my shelf. And I kind of fall where you guys said where like I enjoyed it. You know, the the animation looked better in some places than some of the other animation of maybe the last couple of years, where you can tell their budgets have been kind of slashed. Mm-hmm. Uh the character does like the, the frame rates were a little were a little bit smoother than some releases in the past couple of years the character design was more simplistic than is usually my taste like look at superman and he looks very smooth he looks more animated i'm not sure if you get if you understand what i'm saying no nope, i know exactly what de- you mean yep i know what you mean yeah and so and it kind of reminded me of the design i think he was even saying Lou, who directed this one too, but it, it reminded me of the designs for Superman versus the Elite, where it was a very simplistic, soft animation style, and that's not always my favorite. I tend to like the ones that have a little bit more hard lines, and, and sometimes like like when Jay Oliva does the more anime-inspired design. So that was something that just felt like, especially with a story that's like the Soviet Union in the 50s and the 60s, I, I felt like the animation style didn't quite communicate the time period 
period, mm-hmm. nor did it really... This was definitely not one of the movies where they wanted the art style to be emblematic of the book. Like, this did not look like Dave Johnson. Like, you know, some, some like, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, they tried to look like Michael Turner. Or, you know... Mm, that's right. Or, you know, Dark Knight Returns. It was like, yeah, let's do Frank Miller, but in a way that looks animatable, you know, <laughs> and those kind of things. And they didn't do that with Dave Johnson's art. And that kind of took me out a little bit. But as far as the story goes... I liked I liked that J.M. Dematis in his adaptation because he's been doing a lot of the good scripts lately for a lot of movies I've been enjoying. Yes, he has. Yeah, he's done some really great ones. And so I like the fact that he didn't steer away from the grayness in this in this movie. Like mm. because the book, I always loved how Superman feels like Superman, but I also like how trying to be faithful to the communist state, it even like. Superman has a learning curve in the movie and I, and I was really curious how much of that they were going to keep how far were they going to go and they stayed with it pretty well and that made me happy overall so I would say I enjoyed it it's not a fa- it's not it's not a favorite of mine but it's also not like I'll, I'll rewatch this like this isn't going to be a wow I watched this one time and I can't remember ever watching it again kind of movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I don't I'll watch this again it's a, a a lot of these adaptations I feel are great when you you have a hankering and you want to read it but you don't have time so but you can spare 70 but you can spare 75 minutes although actually Red Sun isn't that long it might take you just as long to read it Actually, and, and this true. one is actually closer. This one's actually closer to ninety than they usually are. Because I, I looked at it, it's like one hour twenty three minutes. Of course, that's with credits, and and that's actually a little bit longer than some of them lately. Mm-hmm. You know, that's longer than that normal like seventy five minute mark that some of these movies tend to hit. Well, um, this is definitely Red Sun is definitely an important DC storyline. It's you know when people think of Elseworlds, a lot of times Red Sun is one of the one of the stories that that people think of first, and so I. Think think they wanted to give this movie its due also in part because people have been asking for an adaptation of this movie for so long but i do think that you're right that there is some budgetary cuts happening just there's a lot of um still movement across a frame you know or, or there's like you know mm. we're just gonna move the camera slowly across this cell image and while people talk off screen so we don't have to animate it and done let's move on yeah, there is some of that. You know what I thought? I thought would have been neat uh, was uh, it would have been nice if if they had done some animation that was like in in the style of of each era. You know, so like when we're in the fifties, some of the animation uh, and the um, character models look like look like people would have looked in the fifties, and then in the sixties, it looks more like that. Um, they they didn't do that, and I think that 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 could have been that could have been a neat kind of choice you know if, if you're going to make it look a little different than the source material it would be neat to sort of have it have it be that way it was very much though in the uh sort of traditional classic warner brothers style in a lot of yes. ways which i mm-hmm. love yeah frank frank I um, agree. one thing I, I really enjoyed is you know ha- have you, you guys noticed that oftentimes the you know in in this sort of traditional warner brothers style a lot of the say background characters um don't have 
a lot of very distinct facial features. In particular, their eyes don't have a lot of color. Like, they'll just have sort of tiny little beady black mm-hmm. eyes. And I enjoyed that Superior Man just had black eyes because he has, like, no real personality and no soul, sort of. I thought that was an interesting choice that they made, that he, he sort of has the same look to his eyes as a lot of sort of the background characters. Like, if, if you're at a cocktail party and Bruce Wayne is schmoozing, right, in the background you'll see all these people who just, like, have black eyes with no no color to them. Meanwhile, like, Lois Lane has, like, the the sort of violet, like, purple eyes that we are used to from the Superman animated series uh, um, style. So I, I, I that kind of stuff really, you know, doesn't normally jump out at me, but it jumped out at me in, in this film, and I, I like the way they did that kind of thing. No, I totally, I, I agree with you, because I was thinking about, like, the cr- like a lot of the crowd scenes. I always think of that one, I was thinking about Ma- Mask of the Phantasm, you know, that, that one party guest when, right before Bruce Wayne has his first uh, flashback, mm-hmm. and he goes, Brucey. what about the I-word? Mm-hmm. Engagement! I was thinking about how, like, she just has, like, the black dots for eyes, and that's, yes, that's always exactly. the- Yes, exactly! Yes! Exactly! Great, great example of that, yes. That's a great pull from both of you i really didn't um i i honestly i didn't really think of that at all but i'm on board uh so what about some of the changes this this movie made you know like there's an the inclusion of uh, other dc characters locations things like that what uh, what say you to those changes do you think that they were supercilious or did you like them scott i was there were two things that i noticed and they're and, and they're not as much change it there was one was a change and one was a it's there but they stripped it down from what's in the book uh, one i felt like the the movie did not have as much of the back and forth between superman and lex like the chess motif is there but i feel that that sort of battle of two wills so much more reading the book than i got in the movie and i'm not yeah. sure if uh, oh good <laughs> I hear, I hear, I hear a yeah from Frank. So it's like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. Good, good, because I really felt like that kind of guy. That was a victim of the runtime and a victim of a motion picture versus a a reading experience. But I really felt like that relationship was played down for the sake of. I'm not really sure for the sake of what else, um, because I felt like a lot of beats I remember from the book are in the movie, and so it's like, oh, there. It felt like, oh, it's a beat there but it's not that thematic motif that just plays through the entire movie in a little bit more depth. And then, of course, the biggest change is the ending. They they they, yes. they, they totally take away the psychedelic, mind-warping ending of the graphic novel. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, for a general audience, I can totally understand taking away the, the timey-windy, mind-bending ending. But then I wondered, but do you also take something away from the story when you do that? And is that tied into the fact that I feel like that the back and forth between Lex and Superman wasn't there as much? And so if you take if you strip that down, does the original ending of the book really play as well in the movie? It, because that's kind of the that's kind of the payoff in the book. So is that just a victim of it'd be weird for a general audience member? And because we really didn't play up that fact in the movie as part of the script, we didn't really need that ending. I miss that ending because I do love it so much, and that's one of the things that. Mm really really like sold it for me in the end you know which is like oh my god what a great read that was can't believe the way that ended that was fantastic like it all pays you're right it's it's sort of the payoff that ties it together but i understand leaving that out you know i i i do i i i had heard that it was left out before i saw the film so i was prepared for that um 
but I and, and and upon hearing it, I wasn't shocked. Um, I was bummed, but not shocked. So it's 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 something that I think, and and to, and also to your point about the uh, the Luther versus Superman um, rivalry that comes across in the book much more. I think a lot of that is because we we the the book you know you can really get into the characters' heads a lot more and and the thought process and and I I feel like the book is um, sort of told from shared perspectives uh, where this is I feel like the film is told a lot more from Superman's point of view agreed um, than than the, the, the as compared with the book uh, I I agree with both of you in that I missed the ending I think that's one of the strongest parts of the one of the strongest statements of the book is the end and this just kind of feels like oh it's over now okay cool yeah. and but I don't think that I don't think that that ending is possible in the style of, um, I guess, narrative that they 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 went with in animation. There's no voiceover. Um, actually, truly, there's no voiceover, and so it would kind of feel weird for an omniscient narrator to all of a sudden come in and be like, "And then let me tell you the future of the history of Earth." Like it, it actually, I don't know if it just would fly in the way they were telling their story. Um, so, so those two things I, that I agree with you, and I agree that the relationship between Lex and Superman wasn't really there. Uh, but I did think that the relationship between Lois and Lex was very strong, and I appreciated that. Yes. Yes, I would completely agree. I, I was wondering where that was going to go, and I thought it made the ending sweeter between Lex and Lois in a way that, in the end, Lex actually does feel like kind of a hero at the end of the movie, more so than he feels at the end of the graphic novel. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, I, I think Lois makes him more of a sympathetic character, right? Because they have more of a bond in this adaptation than they do. They're they're much more distant um, in in the graphic novel. There's sort of that married couple that you wouldn't know if that they were married if it was like they never they, they seemingly talk to each other once every year or so. You know, like that's the that's sort of the the impression that we're getting in the in the graphic novel um, that they're they're not that close. His his forgetting their anniversary is much more because like they're barely involved with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there's there's an illusion to that early in the film um, where, where Lois says something um, to that effect uh, but they clearly have a, a closeness and you know physically and emotionally um, and there's a payoff to that at the end of the film that I don't feel like is there as much in the uh, in the graphic novel and it's nice it does it does sort of redeem Lex in a way and makes him you know uh, Lois sort of the proxy that makes him feel a little bit more heroic now do you wonder and here's just my thought because something that I feel like because Frank to your point that this movie feels more like Superman story instead of a shared narrative between Lex and Superman because I feel like the shared narrative in the graphic novel is more about the idea of capitalism versus communism mm-hmm. and it plays more into the 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 Cold War mentality and, and the time period which you don't really get that kind of struggle in this movie and that's something that I missed because that's one with any kind of Cold War story I love that you know the, the gray of the capitalist society and the communist society even though I know which side I personally kind of fall with, I still love when mm. the stories still poke at each other about where where the faults are in the systems. 
And I almost feel like this movie, it didn't do that a lot, but if you're going to have Lex ultimately win, because you you do eventually have to point out how Superman was doing the wrong thing for most of the movie, I feel like you have to have Lex be more sympathetic because he is the United States. He is that capitalistic society that is going to help because the Soviet Union does fall. That if Lex isn't sympathetic, if he isn't redeemable by the end of the movie, then narratively, how are you going to feel good about that side winning? That's right. And I feel like that was done very intentionally for the way they framed the narrative of this animated film. That's right. And I think if you're going to get there in 75 to 80 minutes, it needs to be sort of a a pretty linear path to get you there, right? So he needs to be a little more sympathetic um, for for exactly that reason. I'll I'll say this without getting too much into it. I feel like the political uh, stuff in in the film version is much more of an allegory for present day politics than it is for the uh, uh, Cold War mm-hmm. era politics. They kind of took the Cold War uh, era um, structures that were in place and and um, systems that were in place and used them as something of an allegory for modern day politics. And I appreciate what they were what they what they wanted to do there. I'm I'm not sure that 75 to 80 minutes was enough time to do what they wanted to do as well as as the, as the, as it could have been done. So I feel like so I, I see I see what they were what they were going for. I'm just not sure that they set themselves up to really succeed the way that I. I would hope that they would just because the, of the format like it's not through no fault of their own i think just the, the format is a um you know maybe a little too constricting to, to be able to do that well but some of it was a little on the nose um at, at times um using phrases that we're hearing in in, mod, in, in the news uh mm-hmm. today um to, to to get a point across and maybe maybe it i don't know i i, I wonder i question whether maybe they would have um been able to keep things um a little more streamlined had they stuck with with the the true um cold war era story that uh that the original source material lays out but i don't know i don't know that, that's uh, that's just an observation on my point on my part i think that's an excellent observation uh do you think that do you think that this movie is going to become dated then because of it or can you still will you be able to separate all of that all of that poli- modern politics out from it in 10 years i i wonder about that i think one i, I feel like it it runs the risk it didn't have to run because of that now i've been on i've been on tim's solo show read up before and and i've and i've expressed my opinion about how i get really sick and tired really fast of modern political allegory and things that don't have to have it because of that very reason i feel like it it dates it it makes it a little on the nose and obvious and i actually saw a blowback on social media about oh really do we have to do this again like I, i like the audience is getting tired of it and i and i am concerned about and it's the modern phrases part to your point Frank that I feel like you are dating yourself and why why not just do the the political struggle if there's an allegory to be made then let the allegory be made by the audience but I feel like when you try too hard it shows yeah, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily against the the like let's let tell a story that's that's relevant to modern times. I'm not against that on principle, but I do think you need to d- tread carefully and maybe not be so on the nose. And and yeah, let, like you're saying, Scott, like let people draw those conclusions. Maybe don't use the same exact phrases that we hear in the news. Um, maybe instead have it be a little more uh, more about the ideas and and see if if that comes across. Um, I think that's 
generally how 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 these things are are maybe done a little bit more artfully. I do think that it, it dates itself um, by by doing that, or you run the risk of dating yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But I also think that we're also too close to what's happening in the news uh, nowadays to know um, if this is going to stand the test of time of time or not, um, and also too close to to know whether these uh, the, the 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 allegory that they're trying to create here is is going to stay relevant um or, or if even if, if the points they're trying to make are sort of well fleshed out points yet because like <laughs> the long lens of history may kind of make the, like yeah this is a really simplistic view of what was happening at that time you know um it, it i think it's that those are the risks that you run so yeah i think you you end up running taking risks that if they pay off great but if they don't then this becomes really tone deaf you know really easily um but that's not just this movie that's sort of anything that that tries to do that uh that directly right and i feel like and that becomes like one of my it, very connected since you guys do Supergirl TV talk. It's some things that some of the DCCW shows do way on the nose. At least they are taking place in the in that year. And so you can kind right. of so you can at least say, well, they are a product of their time. And 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 but this, when it's supposed to be kind of timeless because it's taking place as historical fiction, it's like, well then why even do why, why do that? Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. A, a TV series that's supposed to take place in, in that time is really, you know, ostensibly meant to be viewed in that time and and sure people might rewatch it but you're mainly making it for the tv audience who's watching it in that year in that time so it makes more sense that you'll do more of that stuff but yeah when it's a historical fiction piece i would expect there to be a little bit more of uh things that are um of of the time frame that it's taking place rather than the time frame that's being released would you guys concerned that some of the his and, and I feel like I, I'm not a boomer. I'm not. I'm, I, I was born in the early '80s. But are you afraid that for some of the audience watching this, that they're not going to get some of the references that are being made? Because I'm sitting here going, I, I, I watch I watch PBS for the fun of it. When growing up, so it's like I was I hear references. You know, the the presidents who get shown. It's like, well, that's Eisenhower. That's Kennedy. Like I know who these people are. I was kind of wondering if because the movie doesn't hold your hand through some of the historical like the movie does give you credit that you're supposed to know some history to follow the timeline hmm. i felt like and i was wondering what you guys thought watching the movie it's a point i had not considered but you're right it doesn't when jack kennedy is on screen i don't think they even call him president kennedy i think they just he's just a guy that's like okay mr captain jordan you're uh yeah you're gonna be the green Lantern. yeah found this spaceship here you know like they don't they don't bother to tell you, but you know. Um, I guess it depends on the age and where where you're from and if your sixth grade social studies teacher did a good job or not. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I, I also hadn't really considered that. Um, and, and I took it for granted, I guess, because I, you know, I do sort of have a, an understanding of where Eisenhower and Kennedy fall in history. Um, I feel like, but I also feel like it, it doesn't matter as much in the movie as it might matter in the book. Um, you, you let just just pretend that you don't know. Maybe you've heard the names Eisenhower and Kennedy. You have a vague idea they were in the mid twentieth century. Um, but you don't really know who came before who, or or you know what what the context of like, well, Eisenhower was right after World War Two, and you know like. Maybe not having that context, does it really matter? Like, does it take away from your enjoyment of the film if you don't know those things? I don't. I don't really think it does. I mean, if their names were, you know, President 
Jones and President Smith, it would be pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the one time it really hit me though was that when you have that scene with Captain with, with Hal Jordan, I thought it was really interesting to realize that the year was 1966 and Kennedy's still alive. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was I was like, oh, Kennedy's in his second term at this point. You know, it, it just right. It it, it adds uh, it adds a interesting level of yeah, we really are in else worlds. Like it right. It, it's the but, same. Uh, but, it's the same kind of thing of when you you know when you read Watchmen or watch the HBO series and like we had this whole discussion on DC TV Squadcast about okay what presents did we skip over how long like you know we're thinking about this because it really does kind of inform the history when you start thinking about what has changed in this alternate reality I guess what I would say is it definitely adds if you do know if you do realize like wow Kennedy didn't get assassinated he got a second term but it doesn't take away if you don't know yeah yeah or like oh we're the ones building the Berlin Wall instead of it being the Soviets building the Berlin Wall. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are some other things just overall, like, what are some really high points for you about the film? Because, I, you know, I would, you know, always like to, you know, focus especially on the positive because we start off saying that, you know, we felt like this is a, a strong entry. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't something we we're going to throw in the trash bin when it was over with. And, and what, what are those things that you really just sort of walked away from this animated adaptation going, wow, they really did that well. I think that the Batman Superman Wonder Woman fight was really well done. Uh, I actually uh. thought the first act of the whole movie was really well done. Uh, and um, But I particularly really enjoyed the relationship between Wonder Woman and Superman in this in this version. I They had a real chemistry on screen together, even just as voice actors in animation that I appreciated. I actually felt like they had a better relationship in this movie than they did in the original book. I, I she yeah. was a little supplementary in the book and not that her role was necessarily beefed here, but it uh but she carried a weight and a gravitas that she to the story she, that she was kind of lacking originally. So I, I liked I, I think that was done really well. And the music was very good. Oh Frederick Frederick Weidman did a really great job. I, I, I particularly thought the the opening credit music with that very Dave Johnson style, you know, very Dave Johnson slash Soviet art art deco style w- was very well done. So thank you for thank you for mentioning the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was beautiful. That opening sequence, um, I loved that. I-, I really enjoyed Brainiac in this movie, like especially the the initial Brainiac fight with the ship. Um, you know, when I when I wasn't sure when, when when the ship seemed to to be kind of done, when it seemed like maybe that was over, I was like, oh man, I really wanted more. And then they brought back the ship at the end, and I was like, yay! Um, <laughs> so uh, I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that. Uh, as a, uh, I thought that was a really cool fight. I really enjoyed the earnestness. They captured really well the earnestness that this Superman has for like, no, we have a better system, and 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 we are we are fighting for for a better a better world. And and you know he really believes in it. He was raised in it. He believes in it. Um, and he really thinks that this is the you know, this is the way uh, to uh, to make it to, to make a better future. And and his he has certain principles that are immutable that that are just there no matter whether he lands in, in the United States or in, in the Soviet Union. He wants to. Uh, in the you know typically in the United States he he tries not to kill at all but in in this version he's still trying to preserve life at all costs mm-hmm. right like the the minimum amount of of collateral damage the minimum number of casualties um that that can be had um 
all those things are very consistent uh throughout superman's history but also between the movie and the source material um and i, I like that a lot that they, they captured that really really well um so i i think it's a, it's a really good characterization uh, of this uh, of what red sun superman you know looks like in uh in in the original book and and the way i remember it um and what i enjoyed so much about that that book uh interesting trivia uh do you know who the voice of Brainiac was? <laughs> I do, but why don't you tell us? Tim, did you know? Um, I did... I looked it up when I first watched it, but I can't remember right now. It was Paul Williams who was the voice of Penguin from Batman the Animated Series. That's right. That's right. There was some great... I was like, oh my god, it's Penguin, it's Brainiac. He actually makes a really good Brainiac in this movie. Fun fact, Paul Williams also wrote Rainbow Connection. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And Phil Lamar also reprised his role as Jon Stewart when he was a member of the Green Lantern Marine Corps. Yes. 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 I did notice that. Um, so what do we think about the fact that Superman's still alive at the end? Because that kind of threw me for a loop at the end, I mean, with, um, with all the changes to the ending. Uh, no, he's alive at the end of, he's alive at the end of the graphic novel too okay okay like i said it's been seven it's been seven years so it's me remembering that it was the was the reveal kind of the same way where he's just kind of a guy in the crowd and lois sees him yeah he's clark basically yeah 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 okay yeah i like that they kept that actually uh that was because i always i always forget about that until i get to Mm -hmm. it um and then i'm like oh yeah that's right uh, and and the same thing happened here, right? Had forgotten that that's that's what happens, and then I saw him in the crowd, and I was like, ah, yes, 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 that's right. And Lois Lois takes notice. Um, so I I enjoyed that they, that they kept that, um, especially since I I knew that they wouldn't be keeping the the Luthers turning into you know Cal L uh, and all of that. I um I was like, all right, well that's a fun little nod that they that they left in, and he with the trench coat and all of that as a, a reporter of of that time would have would have looked. Yeah, because that was 1983, you know. So so basically it was like Luther. Luther got Reagan's uh, term. So, um, right. Anything, I, I, and I, and I, you know, don't want to dwell on the negatives, but because this is a review, um, what if if there's just one thing about the movie that just kind of like just oh, just kind of hacked you off or peeved you, you know, is there anything that just like just goes, you just kind of go why, and it, it, that maybe didn't ruin the movie for you, but just kind of like ah, dang it, if you if you're gonna give yourself the one nitpick about the movie, do you have one? I don't think so, actually. It's probably Probably why I think this might have been one of the stronger entries for me because I really didn't walk away going, ah, no, that was a terrible choice. I don't. I don't think there was one. I guess maybe skipping the the end, but I like I I also I the logical side of me overtakes the the fan side where I understand why it wasn't there, so it doesn't bother me so much. But yeah, I I don't think I really had one. Hmm. Yeah, missing the end would, would probably be the one for me because it, it it is such a fun reveal at the end, uh, and such a, a well well told thing in 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 the book um i guess that and sort of the political stuff we've already covered already but but yeah i i i think that that ending is it's it's too bad that it, that it couldn't be there but i understand why it why it didn't belong yeah and for me like i said i, I feel like something you suggested earlier frank is just how I, I just didn't feel like the animation style that they chose for the film like the character designs matched with the periodness of the film and so it, it's one of those that if i just look at the way the characters are drawn it 
it's not as evocative of the time period as I would have liked. And especially when you're dealing with a visual medium, I feel like there are other times that their character designs uh, would have invoked that. Like, like you know, you get that Art Deco style when you watch, you know, Batman the Animated Series. It's like, it doesn't take place in the 30s, but dang it, you sure do believe it takes place in the 30s or the 40s, just when you look at the way everything's designed. And this just felt a little generic to me. And I feel like that there could have been more personality and character overall to the production design of the film. Mm. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's a, that's a very that's a very good point. That's a very fair um, critique. I think that there, there it would have been cool to have more character and individuality to it. And it you know it looks very much in line and um, consistent with a lot of the other films of this uh, franchise uh, of, of this DC animated um, you know series that's been going on since um superman doomsday but um but yeah it, it that's one area that i think would have would have been neat if they had done something that was more in line with the the periods uh that it was covering good oh so overall you know where does this kind of fall you know kind of kind of a ranking review as we kind of wrap up uh as we're as we're kind of running out of time uh, you know just i guess how would you you know maybe out of five how would you rate this film as itself and then just kind of if you if you've seen enough of these DC animated original movies, like kind of what's sort of the echelon you put this, like what are other films that you would say this movie, I would lump together with these movies as far as, you know, where it lands in my enjoyment of the film. Mm, I'd say four out of five for this. Um, I'd say it's a maybe three and a half, four out of five. If we were to do halves, I'd put it at like the top of the middle. If that, yeah. yeah, some somewhere somewhere in there, somewhere within like um I don't know, Justice League Gods and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that where it's like I liked it, I enjoyed it. I might not return to it with any particular haste, but I didn't dislike it so much that it, or even it didn't even like bore me the way that like Superman versus the Elite I didn't really care for or the um the the last Wonder Woman movie I found a little boring. Um this one Bloodlines. Yeah, oh man, yeah, that was that was tough. That was a tough sit. Um, but it's definitely not, um, it's definitely not to the heights of New Frontier or, um, Under the Red Hood or actually even the, the latest, um, Death of Superman, uh, ranks high up there for mm-hmm. me. So yeah. So I say top of the middle to you, sir. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. I was going to say like, if there are three tiers, this would be the top of tier two for me. So yeah, top of the middle. Um, and, and I also agree. I'd give it, I'd give it like a four. I think a solid four. Like it's, it's very good. It just, just. Just because it didn't excite me doesn't mean it's not very, very good. I think it is. Um, you know, some of my uh, my favorites would be like the first Wonder Woman one really at the time really, really spoke to me and really uh, blew me out of the water. And and Under the Red Hood is is it's well documented how much Tim and I both love that film. And, and um, uh, New Frontier is just sublime mm-hmm. to me. Absolutely. Oh, the, 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 the film, the book, just all of it. Just oh, I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, I would I would definitely I put it in that that top of the middle tier four four out of five stars for me um i'm pretty much in line with you guys 
says four out of five. You know, top because because like me, my 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 top tier would be like Under the Red Hood, Dark Knight Returns, Wonder Woman, Flashpoint, Green Lantern, First Flight. You know, I'd even say if we're to come like throw in like Judas Contract and Justice League Dark. You know, I, I like you know, those are kind of kind of up there. You know, and then this is this is that next one. Like this is I'm trying to think about like this is more like Reign of the Superman or yeah. You know, the, you know some some others that are just like that next that next step down. Like mm-hmm. it's not like I'll never watch it again, but it's not one of those that I have watched repeatedly over the years. So I'm I'm curious. Do you guys have a least favorite? Mm, yes, but now yes. I'm struggling to think about what that is. So give me a second as I scroll through this list. Uh, for me, it's Batman Gotham Knight. Um, uh, that's a middle one for that's been one I've appreciated more that I've watched it. Uh, I actually one that I have seen only one time and it was when it came out was uh green lantern emerald knights oh yeah that's that's kind of on the that's on the bottom for me <laughs> that's that's not very good that was not good i'm trying to think what else since you're since you're because i think it's important because it, like it gives a gauge of like where we feel i've been meaning to like like i do letterbox and so i've got like my list and stuff i've been meaning to like do like a complete rewatch and like really kind of sort where i feel oh no i know no i know what the bottom the 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 basement bottom of my list is it's batman and harley quinn i despise yes batman and harley quinn that (laughs) is the that's my lowest one you're right yep and then it it might be wonder woman bloodlines after that actually that one was real boring and i did Mm. not care for the first teen titans movie i thought was kind of dull um and the suicide squad hell to pay movie i didn't care for either oh see i really enjoyed hell to pay i really enjoyed hell to pay it's i yeah that one that one connected with me but i can i can get you with the justice league versus teen titans yeah that one that was yeah. that was not great this i think the judas contract was better but the first the justice league versus teen titans was not doing it for me but most out of all of the movies they've been doing since what 20 oh gosh um when 2006 7 i have it up um 2007 superman doomsday was 2007 um, yes. so if you okay. start there with this like direct line under this t- original team which moved to the second team blah 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 uh i would say most of them are middle tier for me like i i enjoy like almost all of them for some for some reason there are very few that i'd say like i will never watch you again batman and harley quinn is definitely one of those movies mm, okay yeah all right yeah. fair enough well guys i want to thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it um how about we take this opportunity for you to just like self-promote the heck out of yourselves and tell people where they can find you because um, they'll also find me there. I, I've, I've been on many of your shows on your network. I'm a, I'm a patron, a fan, and a contributor. I, I, I kind of I kind of play the field as far as you guys go. So tell people. And, and a friend. And a friend, yes. I think I feel like a friend is where it all starts. Yes, that's right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, well, uh, we've, we've got our own little network, Thought Bubble Audio, and uh, our sort of flagship show is Beer with Geeks. That was the one that, that started uh, things for us and it's where Tim and I and sometimes uh, a guest or two will crack open a beer and 
talk about uh, nostalgia or whatever's happening in geek uh, geekdom this week. Um, we'll we'll talk about you know new movies, old movies, uh, TV shows. Our, we used to talk about things like our favorite action figures and stuff like that uh, that we grew up with. Uh, we've we've come a long way. We are coming up on three hundred episodes. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's that show. We always talk about Supergirl over at Supergirl TV Talk. Um, and that's, that's where we, we cover the Supergirl TV show on, on, on the CW each week. Uh, and those are, those are the shows that I'm most heavily involved with. Tim, um, do you want to say anything about the shows that you are heavily involved with? Well, as Scott has alluded to earlier in the podcast, I do a solo book, uh, solo podcast called Read Up, which is all about books. I can check that out. Uh, it's mostly me, uh, sometimes joined by Scott, who's my unofficial guest co-host. Um, who's pretty much just my official, like, semi-co-host now. Um, my semi-host. And um, let me see, Frank, what else do I do? I forget. Uh, Academy Rewind. Academy Rewind. Rewind. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Sorry, it's late for me. Um, I also do uh, Academy Rewind, which is uh, we, uh, my po- co-host Palmer and I take a look. Uh, we're going backward through all of the Oscar Best Picture nominees, going backwards through the decades to see if the Best Picture really was the Best Picture of that year, and if one of the other nominees sh- maybe should have taken the prize. And so it's been a lot of fun, uh, but mostly you should listen because it's a lot of work. And um, I would love it if more people listen to it. Actually, we have a very healthy following, but like, it's a lot of work. Everyone in the world should listen to it for the amount of work I have to put into that show. Ninety <laughs> percent of the, it is all, just, for the all, two times I've been on that show and the times I've had to watch five movies or more. Yes, listen to that show. Yeah, I mean, ninety percent of the work is really just dealing with Palmer. The ten percent of watching the movies is pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the banter not wrong. between you two is he's not wrong, folks. He's not. He's not. Palmer is not is not easy is not an easy cookie, but but the banter and the commentary from you two is always top notch, and I always always enjoy uh, it. I try. Oh boy, do I try. So. <laughs> Um, no, he's the best. So um, I sound like I'm disparaging him, but I'm not. But but our no, but he's our great. relationship is what makes the show. So by all means, that's right, that's right. Anyway, and we have other shows that Tim and I are, are not uh, on every week either. But we we have a lot of we we enjoy those shows a lot. We we love the people who do them. They're good friends. Um, so yeah, Thought Bubble Audio. Well, the guys, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, uh, especially since my Tim couldn't make it this week. I always like to bring in and you know, as long as I got some guy named Tim on the show. It all works out in the end. I th- yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's how it goes. And then when I get Frank in the deal, it's like, hey, I got it. it was like a it was like a bogo. Yay! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, thank you so much. That's going to be it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun, but of course, we always love to hear from you. You can, of course, reach out to us on Twitter at DC Film Squadcast. You can find me at ScottDC27. Of course, you can reach Tim eventually at Alan Fire. And of course, you can always email us at DCFilmSquadcast at gmail.com. We're also on Vero, Facebook. We have our website, SquadcastMedia.com. Our Patreon is at patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. Remember, it's the $5 month tier that gets you access to the exclusive rss feed with all the additional content which right now as i said was chris opening his toys but that's gonna be it for this week and so to all of our listeners go out and keep reading dc bye guys bye